Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Uh, hello. Welcome to another episode of Tuesday Night Jewel, recorded in vaguely sunny North Wales. Uh, today is, I'm going to say it's a round table. It's not, it's... It's not really round because there's only two of us. Uh, but today we're going to talk about uh, the SmackDown uh, brand pay-per-view No Mercy last night. Um, going to do the normal start of the podcast stuff though. Obviously, uh, we're part of the Distraction Pieces Network. So don't just listen to this. Check out Scroobius Pip's wonderful Distraction Pieces podcast that gives the network its name. Because it is absolutely tremendous. And I think... Either it's already up or it's up this week. Uh, forgive me, Pip, for not checking, uh, but his interview with Jack Gallagher is going up shortly, um, which will be great to listen to. He's spoken to me in the past. He's spoken to Chris Jericho. He's spoken to Will Ospreay. And there's loads of great interviews with people from all different walks of life in the world of comedy, the world of music. Um, so do check that out. And there's two other great podcasts on the Distraction Pieces Network, both concerning uh, the world of drugs. And I'm someone who's straight edge, and I still find the, both these podcasts tremendously interesting, really great listens. Um, there is the Say Why to Drugs podcast and there's the Stop and Search podcast. They're both uh, really worth a listen, so check those out and support the Distraction Pieces Network. That's a lovely thing for you to do. Um, in terms of supporting this podcast, uh, just keep telling people about it. JimSmallman.com slash TNJ is where you can point people. So there's all the download lists, uh, links and all the various ways you can listen and also a list of all the past episodes that we've been doing since we started this in April. So jimsmorman.com slash TNJ. Um, if you want to support me a bit, jimsmorman.com slash mygirls is my stand-up show. It's $5. There is a clip of it where I talk about my daughter and her love of Metallica, um, which gives you a bit of a flavour of what the show's about. Um, you can download or stream it, whatever. Once you pay $5, it's yours to however you want to consume it. Um, uh, if, you, if you'd if like me and you fancy listening to some of me stand up and watching me do some of my stand up, then jimswoman.com slash mygirls. And obviously, I co-own a wrestling company uh, called Progress Wrestling. Progresswrestling.com uh, for all our information on shows. We've just released the very last 20 tickets we can for our show in Manchester this coming weekend. Um, so our next show is this Sunday in Manchester at the Ritz. Uh, it had sold out. We've managed to squeeze another 20 tickets in because of the Ritz. Bless them. 
lovely venue, kind of always a favour, so they're giving us an extra 20 tickets, which is lovely of them. Um, on a related note, our next show up north won't be in Manchester. We've just announced this to our mailing list today. Um, it will be in Sheffield um, because there's been a venue mix-up. Basically, the band Ash are booked. <laughs> um, uh, a band I went to watch when I was 17 um, uh, booked. Um, the Ritz have accidentally double booked the venue and they've apologised. They've been super nice to us. They've helped us find another venue, which is the Academy in Sheffield. So we'll be doing our show in December, uh, December the 11th. There, tickets go on sale for that on Monday. So if you've never been to a Progress show and you happen to live in the Yorkshire area, then there's your excuse to come out and see us on Sunday, December the 11th at the Academy in Sheffield. The show's called Angel Intercept, no, Intercepted Angel. Uh, after the song Angel Interceptor, um, thanks to Ash making us move venue. Uh, we are returning to Manchester. It's not a permanent thing. We love Manchester. We love the Ritz. We've got four shows scheduled there in 2017. They'll all be happening. It's just a little, tiny, little problem. Also, if you are a Progress fan and you don't necessarily read your emails, um, our show in London at the end of the month, which has sold out, um, it's starting slightly later due to issues out of our control. So the show's now starting at 5 o'clock, finishing between half past eight and nine o'clock so uh, if you're just one of those people who just thinks i don't need to read the email i know what's going to be on it in and it's just going to be about the show being sold out no we need you need to know that the show is starting slightly later finishing slightly later just in case you've got travel problems so we're just letting you know about that that's for the camden show at the end of the month and if you want to watch past progress shows demand-progress.com demand-progress.com uh, it works out around five-ish dollars a month to watch all the shows we've ever done, including our show at the Brixton Academy, uh, which is the biggest show we've ever done. Two and a half thousand people in an amazing music venue that we're super, super proud of and people seem to have enjoyed. All the reviews of it seem to be very positive, which is marvellous. Thanks. Thanks for supporting this podcast. Thanks for supporting our little wrestling company. And thank you to everyone who's downloaded my stand-up special because it, I, I really appreciate it, genuinely. Especially people who've gone out of their way to tell me that they enjoyed it um, because that's really nice because I still... I still just presume I don't really know what I'm doing 11 years into doing comedy, so it's nice when people seem to enjoy what I do. Right, to today's podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Um, today we're going to talk about No Mercy. Um, I'm going to talk about No Mercy with someone I watched No Mercy with last night. Um, you will remember her from the last roundtable discussion we did in the studio, in the ACAS studio in London. Uh, that is Kirsty Bosley, aka Bozzers. Um, all right? Hello, how's it going? I'm all right. You've oh, thanks for having me back. It's all right. Well, you came to visit me and my wife last night because you wanted to see our son. So you wanted to see baby Claudio. Yes. So you came and hung out with us. I'm eating a chocolate button. It's really We've eaten so much chocolate buttons. It's unbelievable. We've still got the snacks out from last night when we watched No Mercy. And we bought a lot of snacks. So much snacks. I'm putting them over here. That's me throwing chocolate <laughs> buttons away. Um, so yeah, so we watched No Mercy together last night. Uh, my wife was going to join us in watching. She wasn't going to come on the podcast. She's not talking. No. Um, she was going to watch the show with us, but fell asleep with our baby. Yeah. As was, is the way. He was being really well behaved, though. He's he was. Boy. But as I explained to you yesterday, like I disappeared for a sleep in the middle of the like in the early yeah, evening. Yeah, disco now. Because uh, having a, anyone who's a parent will back me up. Having a baby, it's really tiring. I, I've been doing this material on stage at the minute where I'll, I'll go out and say to audiences, who's got a kid? And they'll cheer and I go, just, my son's eight weeks old. Just how long? How many more weeks, roughly speaking, till he can fend for his fucking self? <laughs> <laughs> and you're getting people like really bitter parents in the audience going, never. I think the thing is as well that people will think that you're just saying it for the purposes of like amusement, but you do legitimately to his face call him baby bumhead. I do. I do swear at him a lot. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to stop once. I've never sworn. My daughter's 13. 
I've never swore in front of my daughter. Admittedly, she's never lived with me, but I've never swore in front of her. She has only ever heard me swear by watching YouTube videos of me. So, like, I've never swore in front of her. Uh, you know, someone can cut me up on a motorway and nearly kill us, and I wouldn't swear. I've got that really reined in and really well, um, um, really sort of under control. Um, and I'm aware as soon as my son starts recognising words, I'm going to I'm gonna not swear in on the head. Yeah, just in case his first word is dickhead. Yeah, which <laughs> with me as a dad is possible. Um, I like to think his first phrase would be, don't be a dick, um, <laughs> which would be tremendous if that happened. Um, right, good, just checking the recorder. So, um, last time we did a Smackdown only one, because obviously I go to London and do for the big four pay-per-views and for the raw ones, mm-hmm. we've got a studio book, so I go down and it's normally me and Pip and a couple of guests and we have a lovely time chatting about obviously the one you did with us last time. But with the SmackDown ones, um, I tend to, just, you know, to keep the strain off my travel, I tend to do them here at home. And last time round, I had uh, Chris Brooker and Xander Cooper and Matt Richards all here in my front room. And one of the winning aspects of that particular podcast was the fact that we all got embroiled in a wrestling pun-based game <laughs> to do with um, wrestling bands. Yeah. So, uh, inserting Ty a wrestler's Dillinger name. Escape Plan was... The Ty Dillinger Escape Plan amazing. was my, my best one. <laughs> and uh, completely unbeatable from that point onwards. Yeah. Um, um, but I decided we should do one today mm. because um, it's, it's something in the radio world they call uh, listener engagement. Okay. Um, but I also know that everyone listening to this is A, as nerdy as me and you, mm. B, loves wrestling as much as me and you. Excellent. So therefore they're going to get on board with this. Mm-hmm. So I decided earlier on when doing some chores that we're going to do wrestler films. So <laughs> you take the name of a film and you shoe on a wrestler's name into it. Okay. Um, the more obscure the wrestler and the more obscure the film, the happier this is going to make me. So, to get involved with this, you'll tweet me, at Jim Smallman. You'll use the hashtag to Tuesday Night Jaw, and you'll use the other hashtag, Wrestler Films. So, hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw, hashtag Wrestler Films, me, at Jim Smallman, um, and then let's just knock these out of the park. I know that Mr. Scroobius Pip, owner of the Distraction Pieces Network will probably send me a text message or he'll screenshot a note, the notepad thing on his phone with like 10 <laughs> of these of on because he did that with a band and I was really proud of him for doing it. So um, let's do one each okay. to start with because we've written some down. These are, these are your starters, which means you can't use these because last time around a lot of people did use the ones we mentioned on the podcast, okay, right. which is cheating. They probably just get really excited that they've come up with one and yeah. then that's all they can see. Okay. Okay. Um, I'll do, do you, you want to go? You, ladies first, you you go first. Thanks, very polite. Um, I'm going to go for Ryback to the Future. Nice. It's not it's not very obscure, though. I feel like as a journalist, I should be like a little bit more clever with words <laughs> than this. But instead, I'm just like, yeah, Ryback um, to it, the it Future. Works. It yeah. works. Um, I've gone with Avatar, because it was Al Snow's name when he had a mask. <laughs> for God's sake. <laughs> so it's not even a pun. <laughs> no. I just I felt really smug and just went, mm, yes. I can use Avatar. Um, good, your turn. Right, I've got um, Cabin in the Xavier Woods. Oh, Halloween. That's oh, it's good as well. <laughs> yeah. It's good you've gone Halloween. Yeah, thanks. Um, Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince Devitt. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. I've got um, so think Eric Hotel Rwanda Rwanda Hotel, Hotel Eric Rwanda. Yeah, yeah, nice. I couldn't fit it in. Um, how to Train Your American Dragon. 
Great film, by the way. Love that film. Chris Brooker's favourite film, I'm is led it? to believe. Loves it. It's, it's, it's never seen it. it. Loves it. Oh, it's loads better than you think it's going to be. Um, I've got the new day after tomorrow. Good. good. Thanks. But there's a definite pattern with your friends, the new day here, isn't there? <laughs> um, this one now I've written it. Now I'm about to say it out loud. Like written down makes perfect sense as a pun because these <laughs> things always work well as tweets. Yeah. Um, uh, Men in Tyler Black. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a completely different film. Which is is a very, very, very different film. Um, I've got two left. How many you got left? Um, I've got a couple. Okay. I've got um, Big Cast Away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good. What have you, what else um, have you got? Uh, Nathan Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Or Nathan Jones and the Last Crusade. Slash any Nathan... Just imagine all the Indiana Jones films yeah. where Harrison Ford, wonderful actor of our time, yeah. is replaced by seven foot tall Australian man who went to prison. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine how good that could be. I, I want to see that made. I'm if sure. anyone wants to Photoshop these, I'm talking to you, wrestling memes. I was going to say, I was going to wrestling memes. <laughs> um, if anyone wants to, or Matthew, um, if anyone wants to Photoshop these. That would be good. Um, and actually make these covers, that would be good. I've um, got um, Tyson Kid Althood. Oh, nice. Thanks. Good. Um, or Honey, I Shrunk the Tyson Kid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or Honey, I Blew Up the Tyson Kid. <laughs> uh, this is my last one, the, okay. the Evan Bourne Supremacy. That's good. Quite an obvious one. I like one. it. Um, Sometimes the obvious ones are the, fun, the most fun. If if we feel the need to dip back in, have you got any more? Because if we feel I've the got, need to dip back into these, we should we should do throughout throughout the podcast, I think. I've got um, Sin Cara City. Nice. Thanks. Nice. Well, that's it. Good. I've got no more on my list. Everything else is going to be spontaneous. So tweet them to us uh, at Jim Smallman. Hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw. Hashtag Wrestler Films. Hashtag Wrestler Films. Don't forget it. Um, and just send us loads. This is probably going to go up early because we're recording it on a Monday afternoon while Boss is here. So um, I'll probably put it up today. Um, so I fully expect a lot of these. Because um, I know when you did the podcast last time, mm. you were really you just were entertained by the feedback and going back through and reading it. Yeah, so I know this is part. yeah I know this is going to keep us amused for quite some time. Thanks to everybody that tweeted me; it was joyous. I felt part of something special. So didn't someone say it, that more Midlands voices need to be on? Yes, and I agree that should be a worldwide thing. Like we should be taking over. It's the reason my Midlands voice is the reason I get voiceover work. Good. Because I sound generically working class. I can't imagine anybody would be interested in me because I just go like, 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 like all the time. Ten There's, times per sentence. Who, who, are the, who are the West Midlands wrestling personalities are there? Pete Dunn? Yeah, I love Pete Dunn. Pete Best. Dunn. Um, proper Yam would be uh, Trent Seven. Who's already been on. Yes, he's Proper Yam as well. So he's a uh, joy to be old. The Hunter Brothers? The Hunters are great. And um, best tag team in the world. Yeah, they are it. tremendous. I love the they hunters. They're smashing lads as well. Mm. Um, right. Okay. To No Mercy. Um, and I've asked for a lot of questions today. Because there's only two of us, we'll probably still talk a lot, but there's only two of us, and some matches there's not loads to talk about. Some matches there's tons to talk about. So we'll do the pre-show first. Um, I've asked for questions, and we can try and answer as many questions as possible. Whether or not we give the answers that you like, who knows? <laughs> um, on the pre-show, we had two main things. Um, we had... An eight-man tag, which we'll get to in a sec, and we had Kurt Hawkins come out and do. <laughs> Kurt Hawkins come out with some kind of bejeweled pimp stick. What was that all about? I, that, maybe he's a majorette. Maybe, <laughs> maybe if he just started twirling, twirling it, it. 
just and then a, a people walk behind him with like drums and horns and stuff. Yeah, I just felt a little bit like so when we went and got snacks before the show, I started mixing snacks that probably ought not be mixed, and I felt a little bit like I was tripping when it began. <laughs> my, my note actually says, "What the hell was that?" Because it was a weird promo because it felt a little bit like, like it, 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 I don't know if it's meant to be deliberately clunky. But it felt really clunky. So and clunky. Kurt Hawkins is a good wrestler. Like, there's no denying it. Kurt Hawkins is is good. And if they're going to try and give him something to make him stand apart from other people, then fine. Because the problem he's always had is he's always just been another kind of one of those dudes who looks like he does. Mm. You know what I mean? He's um, And, you know, Zack Ryder managed to make himself stand apart. Yeah. Whereas Hawkins is kind of just sort of... Generic. Yeah. You know, and, and I think, great if they're going to do something with him. And great if he's going to get his first match on Tuesday. But... Um, a question from Alistair Dyson about this. Are they going to do anything with him? Who knows, mate? I mean, what I think is interesting with the brand split is it has given... It's given jobs to a couple of people who perhaps weren't expecting to have a job. Mm. So Rhino is a great example of this. Rhino was respected and was doing stuff for NXT, but was still very much an independent wrestler has now yeah. got a job for a bit. Mm. you know. And I think that's nice. And it's clearly... you know, Kurt Hawkins had left WWE, hadn't he? So he had left and come back again. So it's done something for him. Great, you yeah. Know. But but whether or not the, the weird thing is 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 whatever if you've got someone that you like as a wrestler and you go oh they do something with him they can only do something in inverted commas with so many people yeah someone has to be the person who gets a kick in every week mm. um and it rotating people who have a winning streak and don't have a winning streak is going to be a big part of what we talk about later on in this show mm. um but yeah I don't know it's I don't know. It depends how this pans out, because the crowd did not seem that fussed about him. But equally, he's in a difficult spot, because when you go out on the pre-show, people are still coming in. Mm. So, you know. I felt like everything was just maybe a bit lax. Like, there was a couple of times he turned to Hardcam to, like, look straight down Hardcam and deliver a line, but Hardcam wasn't quite there yet, and then it, like, switched mid-sentence, and I just, I felt like all of it was a little bit like, shit, we're late for work, quick, we need to do something. <laughs> I don't know, it just seemed a bit strange to me. Maybe. I mean, the thing is, though... I love a bit of hype, though. I don't know... I don't know if they're deliberately doing that. Maybe. Because I don't know if it was deliberately meant... I genuinely don't know if it was deliberately meant to be a bit bit odd mm-hmm. and make you pay more attention than just generic, I'm I'm the best promo. Yeah. Um. I don't know if it was meant to be a bit like that. Maybe, it because was... the stick didn't match with anything he was wearing. Right? It's not like he came out with any kind of... A, it just normal attire and then just a stick. Which was, I, I, I like the fact that when he came out, he had someone reading out his accomplishments. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that. I mean... I have been doing it at progress shows, <laughs> um, uh, uh, reading out uh, El Aguero's accomplishments and inventing accomplishments for Jack Gallagher and stuff like that. It's something I've done for a bit. Um, the Aguero stuff, his idea. Um, when I do it for Nathan Cruz, his idea. Jack Gallagher, his idea. They just trust me to make some stuff up, um, <laughs> which is quite nice. Um, but but yeah, that, that I thought was different. You said something along the lines of it was from the school of Chuck Norris. You know, that whole Chuck Norris Oh, it's like, yeah, it's thing. like someone someone has seen one of that. Right, so I'm a football supporter, right? And I don't know how much you follow football buzzers. <clears throat> but I last season, when Leicester won the league, mm. um, one of our best players was a player called N'Golo Kante, who we've since sold to Chelsea, and now we all don't like him anymore. Um, <laughs> and... He, there was a Twitter feed that was set up that was called Ungolo Kante Facts, which oh. was exactly the same. It was from the Chuck Norris... I have one of those Chuck Norris books. Yeah. You know, like... Um, I'm trying to remember one of those Chuck Norris facts, and I can't remember one now. But So, um, Ungolo, it was all this stuff about Ungolo Kante. 
like um like <laughs> uh, one of the facts was something like uh the earth is 70% water and Golo Kante covers the rest. Because yeah. it's all about the fact that he just kept intercepting the ball all the time. Yeah. So it's all stuff like that. Um, uh, I did a little video for an advert for Virgin and I, I put one in there that I'd come up with, which was um, and Golo Kante is intercepting your thoughts before you even have them and stuff like <laughs> that. And that was the whole point of it. And it was just a joke. And literally it just got sillier and sillier and sillier. And that's what the Chuck Norris thing was. Mm. And it's almost like someone's seen that and gone, and it may well have been Kurt Hawkins who saw it and went, mm-hmm. can, can I just be really boastful? You'd hope so. On um, As a side note to this, there's a, and it's, there's a link. There's a, a, a fantastic American comedian called Judah Friedlander who was in 30 Rock mm-hmm. and has guest hosted Raw in the past. <laughs> um, and his whole gimmick is that he looks like a loser. Um, uh, and But his whole gimmick is that in his head... He is the champion of everything, mm. right? Mm. Which is amazing. Yeah. So I did the Leeds Festival with him, I want to say, in, well, I think in 2013 or 2014. And so I'm hosting the comedy at the Leeds Festival. And he's on near the end and he goes, um, can you do me a favour, just come out and film me when I go through the crowd? And I went, oh, okay, sure. He's a lovely guy, really interesting. The first thing he said when he met me was, We've got a mutual friend. And I went home and he went, Mick Foley. And I'm like, we're <laughs> going to get on. Um, so he he walks to the crowd. And all he does is he walks up to people and improvises nearly everything. And will just go, say something to them. And then try and top everything. And everyone's got a mate who does this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you yeah. go, oh, I'm going on holiday. Like, well, I'm going to, where are you going? Spain. I'm going to Mauritius. Yeah. Everyone's got a mate who does that. Mm. This this guy does it as an act. And okay. it's brilliant. So he, as well as being a really good cartoonist and all this other cool stuff that he's great, he's great with. Do follow him on Twitter because he's a massive wrestling fan. Um, so he walks into the crowd. There's a couple of thousand people, and he, the first thing he does, he goes, uh, and he's really downbeat as well. He's like, "Hey, um, uh, anyone here do karate?" And the guy puts his hand up. He goes, "Cool, dude. What, what belt are you at karate?" And he goes, "Yellow belt." That's right. I mean, that's that's. A, it's a, it's a good belt. It's not as good as mine. <laughs> you know what colour belt I am? I'm an extra dark black belt. <laughs> and it's that, and he does this for half an hour. There's a guy in the tent who's got sunglasses on. He's got sunglasses on because he's blind. I know he's blind. I spoke to him already. Mm. He's cool with the fact that I've accidentally picked on him, but I felt really bad about it. Because mm. um, sometimes I did it at a, a gig in Sheffield that um, uh, Joe Atherton, who has posed the question, is a big progress fan. Lovely Joe. Yeah. Joe's in a wheelchair. And Joe came to see me do comedy in Sheffield, where he lives. And there was another guy in a wheelchair I didn't realise. And I asked him to stand up so the whole audience could see him. And he went, I can't. I went, why not? Are you being lazy? He went, no, I'm in a wheelchair. And I was like, well, this has happened. This is bad on every level. And you feel bad. So this guy's blind. Judah walks past him and goes, hey, buddy. And he'd not seen the start of the show. Mm. So he goes, hey, buddy, why are you wearing sunglasses? You think you're cool? And this guy goes, no, I'm blind. Just really politely. And Judah puts his hand on him and just goes, yeah, I can cure that. He just walks off. <laughs> and that's... Maybe Judah likes WWE and they know him. Maybe Judah's written this for, for Kurt Hawkins. I, it's... I do like it, though, because it's like, well, if you're going to be a wrestler, then you might as well, you know, you've got to think that you're ace and you to even get anywhere, surely. I think being boastful is a weird thing in wrestling because wrestling is, you know, in its roots, is a carny industry where you do have to say everything we do is the best and all mm. that. And, and it, 
in comedy, it's different. So mm. if I'm doing a show in Edinburgh and I'm handing a flyer to someone, I will be like, please come and see my show. It's quite So good. sorry. Can you have a look at this? Honestly, I'm, I'm all right at comedy. Please come. <laughs> you, you heard me do it at the start of the show when I'm talking about I'm talking about my stand-up career. Mm. Like, I've been doing it 11 years and I've won awards and I, I'm genuinely not bad at it. See, I'm still doing it now. But it's hard to be boastful. Mm. It's not like doing hip-hop. Like, yeah. Wrestling. Look at my car. Look at my bitches. Wrestling, you kind of have to be a bit more boastful. And it's something that the three of us running progress have always found really difficult is like we've come up with show titles mm. and like the other two one of us have come up with a show title the other two have gone it's a little bit boastful though isn't it and you have to kind of go all oh, right and even like when we were doing Brixton we knew that was a, a huge show for us to do mm. with you know with primarily British talent and we were super happy about it but even then we didn't feel we could sort of like hold our own parade and go look how great we are because yeah, you I feel you mean. you've, I think the British attitude is to go no yeah no, I'm no. sorry and, you... and it doesn't just stand for us you look at all the companies in this country that are doing doing great things like ICW uh, uh, you know have got the high, their hydro show in November and that's an amazing achievement and them doing the SECC last year was an amazing achievement and They've been doing great stuff for years. Mm. But at no point are they standing there and going, look how great we are. They're yeah. not because it's the British way is to go, we'll just get we'll just get our heads down and get on with it. I um, think that, that showed quite a lot with... So before your Brixton show, I interviewed the three contenders. Well, I'll say two contenders for the belt and the champion. Yeah. Um, and you just have to look at the difference between how um, Haskins answered my questions and how Skirl answered the questions. So Skirl's got this very, like, the sense of entitlement, which makes him almost... That makes him a baddie, just the fact yeah. that he thinks that he's really great. It's like we see them as being like, well, that's a horrible trait to have as a human, whereas because Haskins is so, like, you know, sweet with it and he wants to do it for his family and he really feels like he he, he feels like he deserves it, but he was a little bit, you know, I, I feel like I deserve it and I want to. it's something that I want to do. He wasn't going like, you know, I am the best in the whole wide world. And just the way that people reacted to that, you could see it's like a proper, you're a baddie if you think that you're great. See, what's interesting in wrestling is, <laughs> is so the, the key to being a good heel is always believing even if you're wrong believing that you're right yeah so in the case of Marty Skirl his character is the villain mm-hmm. and his character is that he in progress terms and it'll be different by different promotions but in progress terms he believes he's the best he believes he's entitled to the title um, and he's the only person who've held it twice mm-hmm. so he, you know he's got all that sense of entitlement but you think about wrestlers that we've cheered for in the past and even people in other walks of life like people think like Conor McGregor in UFC. Ugh. Conor McGregor is a heel. Mm. But people love him. True. Because he's gone the other way. He's gone to the point where he's so creative and so over the top with his boasting, mm. he's The Rock. Because yeah. The Rock, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Rock, babyface rock, heel rock, is exactly the same. You know? Yeah. And, and all it was mm. was just you know, referring to himself in the third person. is a bell-end thing to do. Yeah, it is, yeah. But we cheered for The Rock. Mm. And I think it's interesting. Wrestling's one of the very few... Wrestling and hip-hop, I think, are the only two places where it's completely fine for you to go, I am the greatest. Mm. And it's... As promoters, I think we're a little bit... You have to... There is an element of you having to go, this this is going to be really good. Mm. But I'm also aware, as a promoter, that you can't go... Like, go back... Go on the WWE Network and watch an old WCW show. And listen how often the WCW commentators will tell you that that show you're watching right there and then is the greatest show that they've ever put on. Um, And that's blatantly not true for quite a lot of WCW shows. Sorry, Glenn, if you listen to this. I know my business partner, Glenn Joseph, loves WCW in the late 90s. Um, 
but every single show, Tony Schiavone would go, "This is the great. This is the biggest match we've ever had. This is the greatest <laughs> match we've ever had. This is," uh, and it, it wasn't. And I just hope that he really believes it. Like maybe you know what I mean. If he really believes it, then he maybe he had a memory of a goldfish and <laughs> and like. <laughs> like Dory yeah it's just like I don't remember last month this is brilliant <laughs> what's wrestling <laughs> um, we had an eight man on the um, on uh, on the pre-show which mm-hmm. uh, featured uh, American Alpha the Hype Brothers I refuse to call them the Hype Bros <laughs> um, uh, and uh, on the other side the Vaudevillains who I really like mm-hmm. and uh, the Ascension um, and you didn't know that, that Bram used to be in the Ascension. We discussed this last I didn't night. Know. Um, when they were still in NXT, Bram was originally in the Ascension. I think before I want, I can never tell Connor or Victor apart. Mm-hmm. Before he, it, it, the smaller one's always been in the Ascension. The mm-hmm. one with that long hair, who looks a little bit like he should be in a Judas Priest tribute act. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, as soon as someone puts face paint on, I'm like, it's a different person. <laughs> <laughs> um. um I mean, this was what it was. It was fine. And what they needed to do, and we're going to really get on board with the, how the show was rejigged in a minute, but what they really needed to do um, was make sure the crowd were up for it. Mm-hmm. And having American Alpha in anything helps. Yeah. The Vaudevillains are great. Um, I don't really know where they or the Ascension can kind of go from here. But the Vaudevillains, there's plenty of potential there, mm-hmm. I think, for both of them, either as singles wrestlers or together. Um and the hype bros are getting a, a little bit of a, a little bit of a push because um, I don't know if I should say this. Pitt texted me last night <laughs> with a video from this match that um, he, I think he could, sta- I think he stated it was the most ridiculous thing he's ever seen in wrestling, which was yeah. was Mojo's thing where he gets in the ring and does a load of gestures and then just tangos someone. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, this is the the fact that he made a video of it just to send me. Um, sorry, Pip, I don't mean to embarrass you, but it, like, and it, that is one of the most. On, on one hand, a lot of what Mojo does is utterly ridiculous in the ring. Mm. On the other hand, it's making him stand out, so it's kind of working on his own self, though. Maybe not as pop, like the. I feel like because he's so hype mm. that Zach's a little bit. Like I like Zach on his own. I feel like maybe as a tag team, it's he's he's too much. He's like an overbearing sibling. He makes he makes Zach Ryder look like a really chilled out stoner sat in the <laughs> corner of an Amsterdam cafe. Yeah. Um. Like, I can only imagine how many cups of coffee Mojo has a day. It's too much. Um. I think he's hardlining it straight in espresso right into. I the really end. hope. I hope he's got. I hope he's got a mug that he drinks his coffee out of. With uh, the Simpsons quote, "Pray for Mojo," with the, mon- <laughs> with the monkey with the drift in his arm, yeah, yeah. Um, and if he doesn't, then he should. Um, uh, and please stop wearing the stickers under your eyes. It just daft. Um, but he's it's given him. I know people when he got called up from NXT, people were like, "But why is he there and not Nakamura?" And again, yeah. you need a mid card and you need a lower card, and he's perfect for that. And he clearly cares and he's enthusiastic and he's it's enthusiastic. He's enthusiastic, yeah. <laughs> um, but he but he's got a lot of the traits that they want. You know, he's he's export star. He's a big dude. You know, and you need to have those big dudes. You can't just have you know a card full of people who are AJ Styles. You can't. No. You know. Um. Right. So we start the show properly and we'll get to... I asked for your questions this morning and I thought everyone knew why the card was rejigged. Mm-hmm. And it turns out it turns out they didn't. So um, if you don't know 
why the main event went on first, but then technically it can't be the main event because it's on first because the main event is your last match. But you get where we're coming from. If you need to know why the main event went on first, it's because um, John Cena had a double. Um, he was wrestling another show. And he wasn't. <laughs> he, he wasn't doing that. Um, uh, he's not El Ligero. Um So that match went on first because of the presidential debate because most of America wanted to tune in and watch Donald Trump uh, have a meltdown on television, um, which it turns out um, I was kind of keeping up with that on Twitter Mm. whilst... um, It was almost too much because there's too much going on in the world and it... What's interesting though, because, because my Twitter feed is, you know, I'm a stand-up comedian, therefore I'm a little bit left-wing, mm. and and my Twitter feed is mainly comedians. Mm. Um, so, what was interesting is, most people who I knew were watching it were going, Trump looks like an absolute idiot, but mm. today I wake up and it turns out most political journalists think Trump actually won that debate. Yes, I heard the same. Um, terrifying. Uh, which is... I mean, this is a genuinely... T- I mean, if you're an American, we love you American people, and you can vote for whoever you want. I mean, I'll be honest, most politicians are pretty untrustworthy. Um, yeah, Hillary's not like... You know, not H- the babe that she looks compared yeah, to that monster. We're literally... We're not sitting here going, Hillary Clinton is a shining light and a beacon, because no. we don't you know, we don't live in your country. But, um, but I mean, sometimes... I mean, our, our country's in a bit of a weird state at the minute, but, we, <laughs> but bless you. Like, um, Gabe, uh, Gabe Sapolsky from Evolve tweeted last night about it um and just just like this is so weird yeah such a it's such a weird it's a little bit like we're all stuck in robocop the original robocop if that's what it feels a little bit like Mm. um so you know um i say really horrible misogynistic things but isis (laughs) isis god damn it it's it it is it's a little bit having an argument with donald trump's a little bit like having an argument with a child who doesn't know when they're beaten Mm. um but you know i mean it'd be don't talk ill about him he'll grab you by the pussy (laughs) 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 right anyway wrestling right wrestling yeah so um so that's why that that's why the three-way title match was on first. It's because people aren't, as a rule, now paying... 50, it used to be $55 for a pay-per-view in America. There's still a few people buying them like that. Mm-hmm. But most people now have the network. Yeah. So you know you can watch that live, and then you can probably watch the rest of it later. Mm-hmm. So uh, they've realised that there's been a change in how people consume pay-per-views. So that's why they did it. Makes perfect sense. I mean, it makes it difficult for the rest of the show if that match is amazing. Yeah. That match was really good. Um, wasn't the best show of the card though? No, it wasn't the best lovely. match of the card, which we'll get to in a while. Um, um, so to answer, like genuinely, twenty tweets. Why was that match on first? That's why. It's all to do with American politics, guys. Um, and um, I was quite interested in the fact that most people who asked that question were British. Mm. Obviously, we have listeners from all over the world. Thanks, guys. Um, but most people who asked that question were British because obviously most American people understood why it happened one person i'm not going to name them one person who tweeted me asked that question why it was on first and they were american um so it's why the world's going to the um so um this match the the three-way match was great um uh, we will get that more in a second i mean one i do a question i was asked probably five or six times is what match should have been on last Hmm. now i think the match that should have been on last in hindsight, mm. everyone will say the Intercontinental title match should have been yeah. on last. Because in hindsight... It was the bestest. It was the best match. It was tremendous. Spoiler alert, it's 
bloody brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like, really, really, genuinely brilliant match. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, my business partner, Glenn Joseph, was, uh, looked through his Twitter feed because he, he summed it up really, really well. Like, that is proper sports entertainment professional wrestling done at its best. It's something you can't necessarily always do on an indie show, but it had elements of what I like out of indie wrestling, mm-hmm. elements of what I like in the Razzmatazz of WWE. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. More on that in a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, hindsight, you'd put that on last. But without hindsight, mm. you look at the rest of the card, um, to me, Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton go on last. Yeah. For two reasons. Reason number one, two massive stars in Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton, which is undeniable. Two of the biggest stars on SmackDown. Once you've taken Styles and Ambrose and Cena out of the equation, mm. they're the biggest stars on the show. Um, the other reason is, is because of uh, because of what happened at the end, which yeah. again we'll get to later on. Mm-hmm. You're leaving people with a cliffhanger. Yeah. So that's why it makes sense going on last. Makes total sense to me now, looking back at it. Yeah, but so that's why WWE will have put it on last. Um, was that match as good as the Intercontinental Title match or the opener? No, but very few matches you see this year will be as good as that Intercontinental Title yeah. match. It is. It's a legit sleeper contender for match of the year. Mm. Um. And if you say otherwise, we're not allowed to be friends anymore. My mum said. Um, so, um, so that's yeah. That's. I mean, would you have put anything else? You would. I mean, I think a few people said if Be- maybe if Becky Lynch wasn't injured, mm. then maybe the women's title match could have gone on last because they've set a precedent for it on Raw now. But I still don't think. I don't think it would have been strong enough. Even so, I, I, I think I Becky's strong enough. I don't think Alexa Bliss is quite there yet. No. So. No, definitely not. And and plus the the women's match hype for me it was it was very little well it wasn't anything more than I deserve to be champion and you don't deserve to be champion but I'm not going to give you any reasons why and there's no evidence to support this claim and so for me it was like there was <laughs> no not investment writing an essay. Are yeah, you it was, essay yeah, it's like ah! zero out of ten see me after class but it was it was just a little bit more there, there was no substance to it I felt I felt just a little bit like the argument was weak. So yeah. I, I, I don't feel like it could, it could have been. I think, and as well, because we were denied Bray and Randy Orton last month on the SmackDown pay-per-view, yes. it makes sense having it. Yeah. Um, and I think that they are, you know, I think this is probably one of the questions that you got asked, but I do think that they're gearing Bray up for bigger things now that he's won a match. Spoiler! But now that he's won a Bray match. Bray won a match. And, yeah, I'd love to see him do a proper full-on Barry Horowitz celebration <laughs> of him actually winning a match. Yeah. Um, it was, it was, yeah, so I feel like, you know, they had to leave him on a high to kind of leave a bit of a bitter taste in people's mouths to, to grow on it further for yeah. bigger things for him. So yeah. it made I, sense. I, yeah, I, I think so. I think hindsight is twenty twenty. you need to put the IC title match on last, but... I, I think the other problem you have with the match going on last is that it's harder to... It's like headlining a comedy club. Like, the crowd are tired by that point. They've been yeah. there for three or four hours. They're tired, mm. you know? And would the IC match have got the reaction that it got? May, probably, because it was great. And yeah, it was two people think... two people who are great at what they do, mm. um, doing a brilliant job. Again. I think because it started so strong, the, it started so strong with that Cena match that... We didn't. There couldn't have been too much of a lull because people just started switching it off to go and see what Trump was doing with himself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They had to kind of keep you, and I feel like that was a perfect way to keep you. Now the three-way match started weird for two reasons. Mm. Weird thing number one is all three of them come out and then they play a five-minute-long trailer about the match. Yeah. 
because we were saying what are they doing during this time they're just like standing there like well, whistling when, well, when it finished AJ's music was still playing yeah which means it is probably Looped there's it. always a really weird there's a weird point if you go to a WWE live event where someone's music runs out and they have to stop playing it yeah. again it's very rare yeah. but when it happens you you win points I don't know <laughs> um, so so that would have been so we obviously would have gone round and healed it up around the ring and, and whatever but all three men have to stand out there while mm. a trailer plays mm. That's odd. That I mean, on we do. We're proud of our the films that that Jack and Alan and Debbie, our film crew, make for for progress. And, and when we make those, and we've got a big hype for a, a big title match or something, we play them before the guys come out. Mm. Because in theory, if these are three people who want to fight each other, they're not going to sit and wait for us to finish watching a video. No. Plus, you need a reminder as to like who to boo. You need fresh hate or yeah. fresh like hype. Yeah, so it just they could have done that. To start, they could have done that to start the show. Mm. They could have done that before we'd even been in the arena. Mm. You know what I mean? That, that would have made sense to me. Um, the other thing was is when this match started, they had a three-way bump where they all basically sort of ran, roughly kind of ran into each mm. other. Thirty seconds in. Thirty seconds in, and sold like the match had been going on for twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. Which is like odd. A it, and, and at that point, I was like. I was quite looking forward to this match, and I'm a little bit worried. That, and, and and it picked up and got great from that point onwards. But it was it felt really odd. It did seem odd. And when they went onto the outside, there was this. I don't know if anybody else noticed this. There was a like a member of staff sitting down by the barrier, <laughs> and she was kind of like leaning on her arm, just like I hate my life. What am I doing here? She looks so bored. And I think, like normally for me, I, I, I might have said this to you at the time, but. By the time it gets to that big match, I'm so tired and exhausted because I've stayed up that I'm like, you know, kids at parties where they get really emotionally involved in everything because it's like, you know, you care a little bit more or you're a little bit more sad because it's all ramped up by the fact that you're tired. Mm. And I just felt like it all came a bit too soon for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's also a weird dynamic in this match in that AJ Styles, because you said this to me, you went, AJ Styles is the heel, right? And I went, Mm. kind of? Mm. Because he's a bit boastful and a bit of a knob, mm. but unfortunately, he's great. He's great, and and this match was in Sacramento, and California's a decent sort of wrestling hotbed. Certainly, the smaller cities in 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 California. It's not a million miles away from PWG, mm. so you, I think you you look at it and go, um, well, AJ Styles is the one that I'm most interested in seeing in this match. Mm. I like all three guys, but AJ Styles is the one I'm most interested in seeing, and he's getting cheered. Dean Ambrose is in this weird thing where he's starting to act more like a heel, but he is still Dean Ambrose and people like him in the same way that they liked Stone Cold Steve Austin, just obviously dialed down a few notches from the popularity mm. that Austin had. And then and then you've got John Cena, who was booed out of the building. Always. <laughs> but is the baby face. Mm. He's the, the, in, the clear baby face in terms of how the match is structured. He's in some ways, it him. doesn't matter. I'm, I'm past caring whether or not WWE ever going to turn um, uh, John Cena? I think because they're doing all this Cena chasing his record equaling title, Ric Flair's sixteenth title. He's had it fifteen times because he's doing. They're doing him chasing that. I think it's the perfect opportunity now. His merch sales seem anecdotally. I don't know. I've not seen the figures, but when you go to a WWE show, there's less Cena merch than ever before. Yeah. I think now's the time to turn him heel and make him interesting for the next two or three years. Because when he was a heel when he started, he was great. Yeah. Make him a heel for two or three years. Make him a proper dick for a couple of years. Then turn him back face again for his last little six months of his career before they put him in the Hall of Fame. That's that's personal. But I've been wanting them to do this for ages because I just... 
the opportunity to make him... So when WCW turned Hulk Hogan, that was meant to be someone who was unturnable and mm-hmm. led to the hottest period WCW ever had. Yeah. And But it required a leap of faith to presume it was going to go over okay. Yeah. Um, doing something like... like Anyone can turn right. Anyone can turn the Big Show heel because Big yeah. Show's been turned heel and face two hundred times. Yeah, like it'll be. And, and if you were to tune into, go onto the network and put on a random pay per view from somewhere in the noughties and mm. Big Show's on it, you'd, you'd have to play. I don't know if he's face or heel. Yeah, at this yeah. Point. To take someone and make them, uh, I, I'll give you two examples of progress. When we turned Jimmy Havoc from a baby face into a heel, when we made the fans love him, mm. really love him, was a big deal and made it a big deal for us. And and one we've done recently is with El Ligero. El Ligero is a baby face nearly everywhere. He's not for us, is yeah. it? And, and it creates a different dynamic and makes the product more interesting. And I think there's a bit... There, I get WWE's argument of never turning him is always, he does all the stuff for the kids, but there's other heels who do stuff for kids. Yeah. You know, the, the Miz goes and visits kids in hospital. Does yeah. he do a six-day-a-weeker? <laughs> uh, John Cena's like, for me... He's untouchable. He's such a and like this. But that's my point. He's untouchable. Yeah. But he could be a heel. He could be. A, he could be a heel. In the what I had this discussion ages ago with someone. He for a lot of people, he is already the biggest heel in WWE. Yeah. As is Roman Reigns, mm-hmm. who's also a babyface. Yeah. Right. Hated. Not, so traditional is why indie wrestling is so difficult. Traditional heels is really hard. Mm. To actually make everyone hate someone is really, really difficult. Like that's why the Miz is the best heel in WWE. He's great, isn't because it? everyone hates him. And people have like I'm always saying on this podcast, if you genuinely hate someone uh, so if you if you love someone but you respect that they're a heel mm. and you respect the hard work they're doing to get hated, then boo them. I'm Kevin Owens' biggest fan. Yeah. If I go to a, if I see Kevin Owens wrestle, I boo him. Mm. I don't go yay. No. No. That's reward. What he what he wants is to be booed. Mm. And I think doing something with Cena around this sixteen, like his desperation to get this sixteen title, and because it's Ric Flair who held it, mm. and maybe have him channel Ric Flair a little bit and be a bit more of a dick, I think could be really beautiful. I thought how great it was that he like. Because normally there's been so many John Cena matches where he's really rested on his laurels, as mm. it were, and he's played things so safe. And here, I just felt like it was a different kind of Cena. I felt like he really wanted, like, I, re- I, I just really believed in his plight because mm. we got that, we got that code red oh, yeah. from him, which was great, and it was the most exciting thing that I felt like he'd done in ages. And he was just, he was proving that he was. That, he was, that he's just great. He's you just think, that he's great. You know, I've got a, a book that increases my word power because I'm bothered that since I've, I've finished studying that I've lost my word power somewhat. Mm. So it's one of those things where you learn a new word every day and you try mm. and use it in a sentence and stuff like that. Do you think, theoretically speaking, John Cena has a learn a new indie wrestler move every every week? <laughs> Um, book and and that's where things like the code red pop up from and he's like you know in theory based on this current trajectory in four years time he's going to be doing like more bang for your book and stuff like that he's getting older so really he probably shouldn't be he doesn't need to be but he is i I I love the fact that he tries to to do that yeah i think and maybe he's trying to win you know maybe really legitimately he's trying to win people back Mm. over to i i my opinion, and I've said this countless times on this podcast, my opinion has changed on John Cena from when I 
when I first became a wrestling promoter, I was a smart fan, and I still am a smart fan. I can't not be. I, yeah, I, I'm allowed to be a smart fan. I work in wrestling. It's your job. Yeah, but I, I found that, I, like, I, I was always, always used to be like, oh, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't know what the, what the appeal is, and I don't like him. And then the more I watch him now, the more I'm like, oh, the dude is just great he's 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 brilliant he's he instantly makes you money you know people will buy a ticket to go and see him he works hard outside the ring but everything and you never look at him and go he's phoned that in never and for oh, someone no. who's someone who's been someone who's been at the top of WWE for as long as he has mm. to not have phoned stuff in is is nuts it's you know I think that maybe he's phoning stuff in though he's good because he just yeah, is good yeah um, there was a couple of other little things of this like there was a point where AJ Styles had I think it was Cena up for what I thought was going to be a burning hammer and I got really excited <laughs> because there's there's, uh, there's two ways for a burning hammer to be used there's the uh, Kenta Kabashi seven times he used it in all Japan no one ever kicked out way um, or there's the Hello, this is indie wrestling. I'm going to do a burning hammer, and people are going to kick out of it. Way, which uh, is to possibly be frowned upon. And, and it ended up not being. I got really excited, and the same way that everyone always gets really excited when it looks like Kevin Owens is going to do the package pile driver, yeah. and he's obviously not going to do the package pile driver. He's going to do his sit out thing, yeah. but he's going to do the setup to it. Um, so yeah, so I got really briefly excited thinking he was going to do a burning hammer. Yeah, like. What world we live in? John Cena's about to be planted with a with a burning hammer from AJ Styles in the opening match of a pay per view. Um, And we had the um, ten knuckle shuffle. We did have the ten knuckle shuffle. Two attitude adjustments. Yep. And then a kick out. It it was a a lot of people didn't like the end of the match, Mm. Um, but. Again, like it's a three-way. Therefore, they and they kept reminding you it's a three-way. So therefore, it's no disqualification. And yes, there were shenanigans. And yes, it technically speaking should if if AJ's tapped out to a joint submission move, should he not? Because I've seen a few people on Twitter saying, should he not have been thrown out of the match then, and those two just carry on? Yeah, I felt like that at the time. But no, because the disqualification rule would count the same. Yeah. So no, you can't. Um, I actually thought it was a clever way of getting around it, of giving of keeping Ambrose and Cena looking as strong as possible mm-hmm. with Styles getting it out because if you're a heel and you're a champion you don't need to look strong no you can be champion Ric Flair when he was in his heyday used to draw do hour long draws with people who were dreadful because he could because that was the point of him being NWA champion, was making people believe there was a chance. The mm. point was he never lost. Cena took an apron bump as well. Can we just celebrate that for a moment? Yeah. Lovely. He Congratulations. Did. One, of two apron, <laughs> one of two apron bumps on the show. Yeah. Um, um, couple of questions. Um, uh, first one from uh, from Dale, who is the man behind the Progress documentary. Hi, Dale. Um, hey, Dale. Um, uh, belated happy birthday for this past week. Um... um in case you don't know about this, um, by the way, follow a Progress Docu on uh, Twitter. Um, uh, so, Dale, lovely man, who's uh, a documentary filmmaker uh, based in Norwich. He is uh, has been following me around and various other people around for the last few months, and he's making a documentary um, about Progress, which is awesome. So, uh, if you've got any questions on that as well, I'm writing up a piece. I've interviewed Dale for it for the Huffington Post. Huh. So I've done a bit of nosying into why and what what we can expect from it so if you've got any questions ask Dale but yeah because we're not making this is something I need to point out we're not making it 
progress are not making it. This is being made by a company called Alexa Media, which Dale's uh, the boss of. And um, Dale's a huge wrestling fan. Used to be a backyard wrestler back in the day, which <laughs> Will Ospreay lost his shit about when he found <laughs> out. Um, like, genuinely, uh, uh, I think it's a documentary film called The Backyarders, uh, which he's in. And uh, was a much bigger lad back then. And genuinely, uh, Will Ospreay... Will Ospreay, who had just won Battle of Super Juniors. <laughs> Marked out. Like, was losing <laughs> his shit meeting our lovely friend Dale. So, um, um, Progress Docu on Twitter. There's a Facebook page for it as well, um, where you can learn more information. You can watch a trailer that features this very lounge that we're sat in now. Um, if you want to look up where I live. Um, it's not it's particularly nice. impressive. I mean, I'm, nice. I, I don't live in a big house. Because, um, you know, wrestling don't pay. Uh, so um, he's asked a question is AJ Styles two questions this uh, is AJ Styles suited to the WWE brand mm. um, and then he said can a wrestler purely be successful on the indies what I'd say to that is AJ for a long time was purely successful on the indies it was, there's quite a famous bit of gossip that AJ Styles got offered a developmental deal when he was in Ring of Honor and he turned it down. This is when Ring of Honor was a, a full... Ind- Ring of Honor is a bit more than an independent now. It's kind of that hinterland between... It's not quite It's not quite WWE, but yeah. it's not PWG. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not quite an independent. And I think people have contracts to work in Ring of Honor. Not everyone, but I think maybe seven or eight of their talents have mm. full-time contracts mm. with them and stuff like that and aren't really meant to wrestle in other places. Um, without their permission. Same as TNA or a bit like that. Yeah. Um, whereas WWE is, you work for WWE. Um, when he was in Ring of Honor, he, I think, worked as a landscape gardener. Oh. And he earned more money wrestling two or three times a weekend and being a landscape gardener than he would as a developmental wrestler. Mm. So he did that. And that's one of the reasons he never ended up really going anywhere until TNA. And he's got kids that he wants yeah. to chill out with. We've all got the initials AJ. Mm. Which I didn't know. That's why he's got AJ tattooed on his ribs. Yeah. Which I didn't know. I because I jokingly tweeted one day, going, "Why has he got his own initials in case he forgets?" And uh, Samoa Joe messaged me and went, "This is kids." And I went, "Sorry, Joe. <laughs> Sorry, mate." Um, so um, I heard that the Young Bucks have got a very similar setup where they just they're making so much cash. Well, you think, on, but I'm wearing their merch right now. You are. But you think about it, right? So, like independent wrestlers don't earn tons and tons of money a show, right? If you're right at the very top end, so you're the Young Bucks, yeah. for example, and the Young Bucks are more expensive because there's two of them. So if you're the Young Bucks or you're um, Ricochet or Adam Cole or um, Kyle O'Reilly or whoever, mm. right? Um, or in, in this country, you're Zack Sabre Jr., Will Ospreay, Marty Skrull, Jimmy Havoc, people like that. You're the, the top end of stuff. You earn... You earn a bit of money, but it's not loads. Yeah. You have the difference between wrestling and comedy. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What is your travel expenses are paid? Mm-hmm. So if... Uh, if you're bringing someone in from the states or if you're bringing loads of people in from the states you've got to pay for flights and hotels and then people's fees but if you're a wrestler you get your match fee which isn't necessarily loads and loads of money and wrestlers set their own so whereas i'm a comedian and i turn up at a show mm. and i get paid so i turn up to a gig and they go the fee is 200 pounds i go thank you very much yeah. i can't go but my fee is 300 pounds they go then we'll find someone else. Yeah, yeah. Wrestling is different. Wrestlers set their own fees, mm. and there's a bit of room for negotiation. You can go, we can't afford that, or you can go, or you can secretly give someone a bit of a bonus or whatever. But you, wrestlers set their own fees, and normally they change them at the beginning of the year. Yeah, it's particularly bad for heels, I think, because they haven't got that. Particularly if they're the kind of heel that is legitimately heel and won't sell merch. Yeah, they don't get anything extra on top. Well, that's because that's the thing. Because you've got your match fee, which is fine, but you don't have to worry about travel, which is great. So I have to worry about travel when mm. I get around. So you don't have to worry about travel. Um, you can pick up a bit of extra work doing seminars. So I know Tommaso Ciampa did that for us when you know yes. when he was here. Um, uh, not this last time, but the time before. So you can pick up a couple of bits of seminar training because there's so many different schools around the country. What you try and do on the indies, so if you come to the UK, as a rule, you'll try and pick up all the shows around yeah. it. So not necessarily in the, all in the UK, you can also go out to Italy Germany. or Germany. They're the main places people mm. seem to go. But it's merch. And things like Pro Wrestling Tees is really helping because now you don't have to have your front room full of T-shirts. Yeah, You can have a Pro Wrestling Tees shop and people can just buy your things on demand and you get maybe $7 a T-shirt. So that is a really good way of making money. I don't know what the starting wage is for someone in the developmental system in WWE, but I would not be surprised if a top-level indie worker earns double what that is. Yeah. So it's it's easy enough to make a living. It's whether or not... Some people love the nomadic lifestyle of an indie wrestler. Colt Cabana's a great example of this. Yeah. Loves it. Yeah, and Chris Hero loves it. You know, and they're two people at the very top and have been indie wrestlers for a long time and are really at the top of their game. And so I think it is possible to do it. In terms of does AJ suit WWE, yeah, he was yeah. in TNA for ages. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, he was in TNA and he was in New Japan. And whilst wrestling nerds like me lord New Japan as the greatest thing in the world because it is wonderful, it is still a big old television production in front of a lot of people that does have little bits of elements of storyline mm. but everything is still geared up to big arena crowds big TV audiences mm. so I think I think AJ Styles is fine I think most of the people that they've taken from the indies have done a great job yeah and I think as much as um, you might think about them being different indie and the WWE fundamentally I, th- I think they're just they're merging into a, a bit of a 
well, you've only got to look at what Cena, what Cena was doing when you said he was pulling out Indian moves. Yeah. Maybe they're just, it's becoming more cohesive and they well, are I think that's, becoming more. You look at NXT is, things like the Cruiserweight Classic are a really good way of WWE seeing people off the indies, mm. still wrestling pretty much like they wrestle on the indies. Then seeing if they've got what it takes to go to NXT, which seasons them more for the WWE product, and then they move on to WWE. It's not like the old days where if you came in from the Indies, so you know the Indies. It was territories back in the day. Yeah. But if you if you were to come from ECW, which was the closest thing out to us, well, it was a super indie really. If you came from ECW and went straight into WCW or WWE. As a rule, you tend to look a little bit odd for a while. That's mm. why Sabu didn't catch on with WCW or WWE really ever when he was one of the hottest stars in the world. And it took Rob Van Dam a long time to catch on because there wasn't the way of getting people ready for television. Mm. Whereas now, the reason AJ didn't need to go to NXT is because AJ came from New Japan. Mm. You know, In the same way that um, Finn Balor could easily have gone straight onto the main roster because he was so experienced in New Japan. Ten years in New Japan. You don't Samoa Joe could easily do it. But NXT is a product that they need to get audiences for, so mm-hmm. you've still got to have exciting people there. So I, I think that it's an interesting question. I think the transition from indie wrestling is you know, like I know through sort of chatting to the, the people I know at WWE, I I know more what they're looking for now than I, I've ever known. Yeah. Like in the past I've always based what I think is an exciting restaurant, what I find exciting. Whereas now I know I know a little bit more about WWE's process and what they're looking for. And what they're looking for is is sometimes the best wrestlers in the world. Sometimes it's casting a television show. So making sure that you've got every demographic okay. sorted. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's a lot more complex casting WWE than people think. That kind um, of brings it quite well on to the next match actually I thought um, we will get to that now we've got, we've got a couple more questions about this one. Oh, good um, Sars. Um, Ross Casey um, who is AJ's next opponent from here um, honestly I think it's going to be Bray Wyatt I I can't see it being Bray Wyatt because they're both heels in theory I know but then I just I feel like they've positioned Bray now to be this kind of... He's got a new level of power. I think they'll feud Bray with either Ambrose or Cena. Do you really? Okay. Yeah. I'd, I don't know. I mean, I would presume on SmackDown on Tuesday they will do... Maybe it's Kurt Hawkins. Oh, um, Come on now, with his stick. Um, I reckon they will do... They'll do something interesting on SmackDown to, um, to, to, to create a number one contender. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I look they've got a bit it. more. They've got a bit more time now because their next pay per view is Survivor Series. Yes. So there isn't a separate SmackDown pay per view in November. So they've got more time to create something, or they might not create a number one contender at all, and they might just have Survivor Series style matches. So who knows? Um, who knows? I, I, I don't know. I'd I'd like it to be Bray, but I don't yes, think Bray, I don't no, think no. that the heel heel dynamic will work unless they turn. Unless they somehow turn AJ or recognise the fact that he's getting cheered. Or let him be a tweener, but even then, it, it flies in the face of what WWE normally allow. Yeah. I think. Um, maybe Randy Orton. Maybe. maybe. Randy is a baby face and he's a big star, so it would make sense. Mm. But, you know, 
Uh, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. Yeah, it's I mean, a tricky one. for me, I guess it's again, it's that whole. Because you, you, now you've said it, it's right about heel versus heel. But for me, I still, for whatever reason, can't see AJ as a heel heel. Yeah. Because he's just, he doesn't seem to be received that badly. Um, well, I'd say badly. Final question on the first match. Yes. Nick, Nick Yeoman. Um, hi, Nick. Hi, Nick. You've got a wonderfully pedantic question, Nick, that I applaud. Um, it says, am I being too logical, being bothered about Dean Ambrose stopping AJ tapping... During the match, because he did. There was a point yes. where he stopped him from tapping. Yes. Because AJ's hand. got two hands. <laughs> yeah, maybe there was some kind of nerve compression that meant that he couldn't move his other arm. I, I used to love the sort of commentary that Gorilla Monsoon used to do and Gordon Soley back in the old NWA days, where they would, they were so quick to find an ex. If you, if you were logically watching it going, no, but that's not right. Mm. They were so protective of the business that yeah. they'd find an excuse. Yeah, like nerve damage. Loves, like, no, like you've just done. <laughs> yeah, nerve uh, compression. Have a job. Um, <laughs> so you were linking um, the the casting thing onto the next match, which was um, uh, Nikki Bella. Um, uh, uh, if you're keeping count, by the way, the second match in a row with Denim. Um, Nikki Bella <laughs> um, a, against Carmella. I can only presume, I said this to you during the show, that... Um, Maybe John Cena and Nikki Bella had dinner reservations somewhere really exclusive <laughs> yeah, and needed to get life. off. Um, so what's your, your general point about, about this that you wanted to bring in? So I initially, when I saw the match, and we, we said this kind of as well, and people were saying it all over Twitter, of, oh God, here we go. We're back to hair pulling. We're back to screeching. We're back to these kind of old diva ways. And I think I said something along the lines of, diva, like this whole women's revolution, getting a big kick in the dick now from this stupid screaming girls match. But looking at it now, I really do think that, and, and you've said it to me before as well with Carmella, is that I really do think that it works for her being that person that's holding the women's division back in this diva's screaming, screeching, girly way. And that even though I think people will go, oh, for God's sake, this isn't very, you know, we're not, we're not coming on with this, with her being stuck in these old ways. I kind of think that works for her. What I would also say, and I said this to you again last night, was whilst it felt like an old school divas match, it was still five minutes longer than any old school mm. Divas match was. The wrestling was infinitely better than mm. any old Divas match was. There was still much better wrestling. We have been spoilt on Raw with Sasha Banks and Bailey and Charlotte. And, and on NXT with Asuka and Ember Moon and everybody there. So we've been spoiled. And Nikki Bella is whether you... The, the problem Nikki Bella's always going to have is she's been around for so long that she's always going to be seen as having a foot in the past and the yeah. past sort of stuff. You have to give both her and her sister credit. They're much better wrestlers than they were when they started. Yeah, and she wasn't doing any of the wailing and the no. screaming. She was very She much was like... wearing incredibly unsuitable shorts to be wrestling in. Yeah. Um no one jorts. no one wears I mean she has adopted maybe there's just a maybe there's just a walk in jorts wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. In the Bella Cena household. Because you'd also said, what's the point in having those ties on your top? If you're going to have them open, just get a decent top. Well, because this is the thing. See, I've said this. I I hate... um, I hate women's wrestling when it's used just to objectify women. Yeah. And and again, a big positive is Carmella is kind of... She's very covered up. Mm. Right? If you imagine Carmella in... uh, 
in the the sort of um, what was the name of the? Oh, I'm trying to remember the the diva from back in the day. Um, Stacey Keebler. Stacey Keebler. Yeah. So there's elements of her looking quite similar. To yeah. Her, right. Now, if you imagine. If she'd have been around in the Stacey Keebler era, how she dresses would be very different. Yeah, definitely. Very different. Lots of short skirts and accidental mm. bum shots and all that sort yeah. of stuff. And she's not like that. She's very covered up. And I like the fact that we've got uh, people like Becky Lynch who dresses like a wrestler. Like, you don't need to... If you watch UFC, you watch Ronda Rousey in UFC... It's not there for titillation reasons. Can I ask you though, what wrestler realistically needs goggles? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Uh, her and her and um, her Grandmaster Sexe <laughs> and June Kasai. Um, I'm really pleased that I got three out of that list. Um, <laughs> really, really happy. But yeah, with June she does Kasai. dress like she does dress like a combatant. Yeah, and and that's what how you should. And again, with the, the women we use on progress. I always look at them and go, yeah, you all look like you've dressed to have a scrap. Yeah. Which is the point. Um, Shout out to Dahlia Black's boxer braid hairdo. Well, I was going to bring this up. I'd written this down because we had a chat about this in the car yesterday, which is why don't more female wrestlers braid their hair like they do in UFC? Yeah, keep out your face. And and my, what I think of this from like, you know, I went to one or two training sessions, ran around like a maniac, like a fat maniac, no less. But, I think that because a lot of the girls are quite small, they're not very heavy, when they hit someone else with a forearm, unless that other person whips their massive nine-foot-long hair out of the way and that arm, it doesn't look like any there's been any strike. For example, we had that Bronco bus start last night in the corner hmm. um, where... Carmella floated beautifully into a Bronco Buster and looked, and even though she made contact, the ropes didn't move, nothing because <laughs> she's so light and dainty. And I feel like the big hair thing is so that strikes look like they had more of an impact than they actually had. Well, it always used to be a thing back in the day when every male wrestler had long hair, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. It was a big, big part. Because it just looks loads more effective. But you don't look like a fighter to me when you've got these... And I know you've got a real problem with um, Carmella's extensions, particularly. Carmella's hair extensions are terrible. And, it, <laughs> and like, her, her hair is probably shoulder length. Mm. That's long enough. Yeah. You know, that's long hair. Yeah. Long hair and... Asuka, you, you, she's got the short... You know, you know, medium length hair. But you've got you've got long enough hair, and you're you're a good looking girl. Mm. Just you don't you don't well, need the extra one. But the, this is the other problem is, and again, this comes down to me. My my all my favourite women's wrestlers tend to be from Japan in the mid nineties or the Sarah Del Rey. Yeah. Right, and they all look like they'd hurt you. Uh, yeah. um, awesome Kong as well. It's the point, isn't right? it? You, you you should look like you're a fighter, mm. and. I looked at that match last night and there's two women who, in theory, have got a lot of beef against each other. They've both got the best teeth in the world. Yeah. Like, if you're that good a fighter... I mean, I think it was um, uh, Natty Neidhart who lost her two front teeth this week, yes. wasn't it? So, like, that's what you should... Yeah. More, more female wrestlers with gum should shields. Should look like... Female wrestlers, with, <laughs> female wrestlers with gum shields. Mm. Like, I, I, I hope Laura Di Matteo, who, who people have started picking up on, looks like, she, looks like she's yeah. in the UFC... Like, I hope that she starts wearing a gum shield with the That'd Italian flag in it. There you go, job done. Look at what a gum shield does for Pete Dunne. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So intense. Does he take the? I've never noticed. Does he take the gum shield out when he bites people's fingers? Yes. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Then that's excellent attention yeah, to detail. Yeah, yeah. Well done, Pete. That's why you're one of the best in the world. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I feel like maybe the long hair. We need to rein that in. That said, do you remember that match? I think it was. Sh- it was God. It was a while ago now, and it was Charlotte and I think it was Sasha and. I think Charlotte's extensions came out and then she yes. used them as a weapon. That was pretty good. That was, that was good. That was the only improv. time that the extensions have been, have, have been of use. Take, just take them I've, away. It's fucking I've, stupid. This will surprise you. I've never had hair extensions. Um, <laughs> this is a man with Look a shaving head. so sweet to your hat. But I know, I think my wife's had them in the past. Mm. Um, they can't be comfortable. No, they just pull on your hair, don't they? Particularly ones that long. Yeah. And then ones that are that long when you're like running around, you've got people rolling on it. Again, I'm coming back to uh, that said, when she used her hair and her leg to wrench her around the post. That was excellent. That around was excellent. The, the post, that was ice. So this was this was a match. And again, they were in a difficult position because they were following such a good opener. And it was a match where we were, I think, the start of it, both me and you were like, oh, God, God Diva's sake. it. And then by the end of it, you're like, I was all right. Yeah. I was genuinely all right. I feel like that's Carmella's role, is to be that kind of, you know, that slapper, as it were. Slap. <laughs> Not in that, you know what I mean, to be somebody that's like slapping and pulling hair and stuff. I feel like maybe that's her role and I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah. Again, you've got to have someone for every role as well, you see. Um, then we had the tag title match. Um, the the Usos wearing, um, wearing denim. The, Uso, like, the minute they came out not wearing denim, I thought, I mean, third denim match in a row. Mm. Um, I did think, you're, you're not winning. Yeah, because you're not. Um, you can't you, get any lunge on those. Um, but I, again, I've said this before. I like the Usos' new look, their new attitude. They did uh, the, on the pre-show. They did one of those interviews where they get hundreds of questions and they answer three. Yeah, badly. Um, and where they just came across as slightly menacing, which is exactly what they looked yeah. like they could be. It's in their big, big lads, and just let them be menacing. Um, uh, and have them in a proper stable with Roman Reigns is what I'd also do with them. Yeah, I'd rather them not be dressed for the club though, wearing shoes that like your mum would make you wear if you're having to walk home from school in the dark. <laughs> I've got some trainers like I remember my, my, yeah, running, my, that's running, no my running shoes like that. Does everybody know that Jim had gold, shiny gold shoes for yeah, Brixton? For Brixton that I bought especially. Real um, gold. What I love is <laughs> every now and again my phone will ping and it'll be an alert from Trent Seven because he's found a new he pair of trainers. Shoe. Yeah, he loves um, his shoes. We've got the same pair of uh, Flyknit limited edition Air Max nineties. Um, so yeah, we both wore them to a show as well, and he was like, "Nice shoes." And I looked at this and went, "Right." Um, so yeah, that's Winning. yeah. I need to yeah, get rid- I need to get rid of a lot of mine. Um, just tweet me at Jim Smallman if you've got size nine and a half or ten feet and you want a free pair of trainers. Let me know. Are you gonna start giving them away at shows? Do a yeah, raffle. Not. Do a raffle. That's pretty rare, isn't it? Do is. <laughs> We're not allowed raffles. The only time we ever had a raffle, it led to a massive heel turn. Um, do you, God, I, do you know what? When I got that raffle ticket, when I walked into the... So, explain it was what the, the fa- It was the faceless was. thing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, so when we walked in and it was FSU were going to do this raffle and I got my raffle ticket, when it turned out that that raffle ticket was for absolutely fuck all, you know, I was angry. We, I wanted a raffle. I was like you, convinced I would win. I was thinking about, oh, getting the ropes. Did you want eight lamb chops? Did you <laughs> A Can, rack of beef. Has there ever been, Brit Ress aficionados, has there ever been a meat raffle at a British <laughs> wrestling show? At Jim Smallman, hashtag Tuesday Night Joe. Please, God, has anybody ever come in and tried to um, sling fish like to you? You know, the fish man come in and be like, pound of cockles, like they used to at the old there's, clubs. There's, um, there's uh, just a tonic in Nottingham, comedy club in Nottingham that I do quite a lot. There's a fish man who comes in the intervals. 
and he's got his own theme tune. Yeah. And it, <laughs> but that reminds, stuff like that properly reminds me of like working men's clubs. I used to spend my time in as a kid. The, 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 so I reckon Sheffield, you're going up to Sheffield, that could be quite working men's vibes, you know, the northern working men. And I reckon you should do a raffle, a real one, a legit one for shoes, raffle what's, for shoes. What's really nice for me when we're doing that, that show in Sheffield is the two previous weekends I'm doing comedy in Sheffield as well. So oh, nice. um, hopefully, you know, if we still need to sell any tickets, hopefully I can do a bit of PR and stuff while I'm up there. Um, and also see lovely friends up in up in Sheffield. Um, someone um, pointed out to me today as well, because a lovely thing that happened at, at Brixton was we played Chris Travis's music and everyone spontaneously applauded. Yeah. Um, nice. But obviously Travis is my mate and uh, I'm sure I will wear something suitable for um, uh, for our show yeah, in Sheffield. Yeah, everyone's wearing, wearing yeah. pink. Yeah. That would be lovely. Um like they did last night for the um, for the breast cancer charity that yeah did didn't really support. work for Rhino. Well, who was it? That, no, not Rhino. Oh, the Dol- Pepto Bismol pants. Dolph Ziggler yeah. he came out wearing these Pepto Bismol pants, and he was like, "Oh, that's really nice, isn't it?" For breast cancer charity, and then he had on his like his dick area. He had like death. Yeah. With a side and, and a I pentagram on the back. And a pentagram on the back. I thought that was a bit tasteless. Yes. Um. So um, <laughs> one thing I noticed when. Um, Rhino and Heath Slater came out is so they're doing all this stuff about I got kids. Yeah. Uh, Heath Slater's whole gimmick. Now I've looked. I've looked this up. I'm sure Heath Slater's got two kids, and I think they keep making out that he's got like eleven, <laughs> which is amusing. Um, but also they're saying he lives in a trailer park, and now he is. I think he's from West Virginia or somewhere like. That. So he is mountain man. He is possibly from an area that does have. Because um, I, I was reading, you know, Jamie Noble got stabbed, didn't he, recently? Yes. And that was in a trailer park, which, like, I was like, well, surely, because he's, he's been an agent for WWE for ages. Yeah. I was like, and Jamie Noble's one of my favourite wrestlers. He's yeah. brilliant. And this is eight mile. Yeah, and it was that was very odd. Mm-hmm. But so they're insinuating that Heath Slater lives in a trailer park and all that. However, on his on his Titan Tron video, it's got an RV, so it's got a motorhome. Oh, so you think he travels around? No, but no, because he lives in a trailer. There's a difference between a trailer and a motorhome, <laughs> and they've got someone's got that wrong. Like a motorhome is what like like rich people have to yeah. travel around America. Yeah, he lives in a trailer park in his character sense. You haven't even got a car to trail it. No, that stays. It's static. It's a static caravan. <laughs> it's where Randy the Ram lives in in the wrestler. Oh yeah, you know so. So, yeah, that's just, if you're listening to WWE, that's just a little continuity error that's bothered me. Um, <laughs> How well does Heath Slater sell? Oh, great. Heath Slater's so brilliant. great. He's great. Heath Slater's brilliant. There was one point where he, like, flopped down, and I remember the last time I was on this um, Tuesday Night Jaw, um, Matt had said, you can always tell when somebody's been legitimately knocked out if you watch their legs. And I saw Heath Slater's legs go first, and I was like, this is great. He's great. He is, he is quality, and... <clears throat> What I love is that he's made people really care about him. Yeah. So he's taken he's taken what he had, which was very little, and he's made something really, really good out of it. One question we've been given about this match from Dave Clover. <clears throat> middle name. I hope your middle name, Dave, is Four Leaf. Um, would we have given the Usos the titles, or is it too early to take them off the champs? I think you've hit the nail on the head there, yeah. Dave. I think it is too early to take them off of them. People care about Heath Slater. I think logically the way... I think logically the way that that tag team breaks up is Rhino turning heel on yeah. Heath Slater and giving Heath something to do for a while. Yeah. Um, the Usos are great. And the Usos, since they've changed their attitude and changed their music and everything, 
The Usos will be champions again, but mm. I would potentially move them to Raw and have them with Roman Reigns. I'd yeah. have a Samoan stable, stable, so I'd have I'd have those two lads. What do you call them? Um, the tweet Sam- us Tuesday night, Joe. Yeah, tweet, tweet us, <laughs> and you're not allowed to use any Samoan puns that have already been used. Invent a new one. Um, hashtag Tuesday night, Joe. Um, I'd have the Usos. I'd have them managed by Rikishi. Oh, imagine that. I'd cry. Right. So the Usos, managed by... Uh, Rikishi manages all of them. The Usos, Roman Reigns Nia and Nia Jax. Oh, that'd be good. And I don't know if there's any... I don't know if there's any other... What would be nice is if they had a cruiserweight. I can't think of any Samoan cruiserweights <laughs> off the top of my head. There's got to be loads, though. But... Um, What's amazing is is how small a place. Oh, oh just thought, <laughs> just thought. If you're going from the whole kind of islander thing, so you have, um, you have the. It's really obvious. You have Samoa Joe. <laughs> like so obvious. So you're yeah. having the whole Pacific Islander thing. Have someone who's got a Pacific Island in his name, and have Samoa Joe in it. Samoa Joe, Roman Reigns. This is what you, you, have them domi- you have them dominate, dominate Raw. Roman Reigns is the world champ because that's what they want, or the universal champ. So Roman Reigns, universal champ. Samoa Joe, US champ. Usos, tag team champs. Nia Jax, women's, women's champ. Domination. The thing is with that is that they they kept making this point last night that the Usos have like turned their back on their heritage and they've got rid of all of you know what I mean and they're and they've stopped doing the hacker and stuff haven't yeah, they so, and yeah they, I kind of get that commentators made the point of it but I think that it's it's the dream I think it's something they can aspire to I think I I I, I never thought I'd I'd like the Usos as much as I do and their new like knee breaker dickhead finisher is yeah. quite cool as well yeah um, I just I feel I feel so sad about the fact that so Heath Slater got the crowd so hot they were so hot and then he made that tag to Rhino and it just the momentum just instantly dipped and then it finished and it was just a bit like the crowd audibly just weren't buying into Rhino at all yeah people want to see Heath Slater win yeah but, that, so but equally Heath Slater had can't. taken their finisher and was selling it like a champion yeah you know so but they just can't they they're not sustainable as a tag team I don't think um. Next match was uh, the re- the returned Jack Swagger, who I've always been a big fan of. I like Jack Swagger a lot. Um, against your mate Baron Corbin. Bless his heart. Um, who you love. Um, we had a big argument about his belly button. Yeah. Um, because I'm always critical of his belly button. And just, I'm not saying he's not allowed to have the weird belly button. but That's kind of what you said, Jim. I didn't. I said if people are noticing it so much, just like, just wear a vest. Baron, keep your belly button bad. Stay as you are. Um, so, I mean, it was what it was. I mean, it, it was it was Corbin getting his win back. Mm. Um, one of the questions we've been asked about this is from Tristan French. Um, are you French, Tristan? That's my first question for you. Tristan, Tristan. French. Um, what are they going to do with Jack Swagger? I don't know. I think they need bodies. In the same way, I wouldn't be surprised if Jack Swagger is Kurt Hawkins' first opponent so Kurt Hawkins can get a win against someone credible if they want to do something with him. Mm. Jack Swagger's a good dude to have around in that he'd be believable on an Intercontinental title run or an Intercontinental title chase. He'd be believable if he got a decent tag team partner to be in a, a, a tag team title chase. If you add like a multi-man elimination chamber match for the, the world title, 
you could because he's a previous world champion, you could imagine him being in there. Yeah. He probably needs to get a little bit of his shine back. He's, one thing I noticed with his gear, his gear looked a little bit, his gear looked a little bit like indie wrestler's first singlet because it, yeah. it didn't have anything to do with him on it. I think this I mean? whole "we the people" thing probably needs to be dropped. People like a catchphrase though, because people are still saying that, which got yeah. me. And he did look a little bit heartbroken. He had to do it still. Do yeah. you know what I mean? But he's. I feel like maybe it just doesn't fit with what he's going for. You forget how tall he is as well. When they started that match, because everyone knows Baron Corbin's tall, and they stood next to each other, and Swagger was as tall, if not taller, than Baron Corbin. And people forget because of how he looks. Yeah, and Swagger threw a really ferocious clothesline as well, which which just looked so nasty. And it really, I I feel like it really showed a bit of dominance that Mm. I'd never really seen or noticed before with him. No, he's great. Um, well, now we'll come on to the, the match of the night, which is the Intercontinental title match. Now, I did not expect this match to be as good as it was. Well, it shouldn't have been, should it? I, I love The Miz, and this has been documented on Tuesday Night Jaw many a time. Mm, the Miz okay. is the best heel in wrestling. He is wonderful. He is wonderful at making you hate him. The amount of tweets we've got on show, after shows with people going, why is Miz still the champion? Precisely because you hate him. <laughs> um, and he's been brilliant at his job. Brilliant at his job for... Um, as long as he's been doing it, but really, really has ramped it up recently. And Maurice has been a big part of that as well. In that, in that, most like my wife will sit and watch it and go, "I hate her." Good. Like, why? <laughs> good. You meant him. Like, um, so the Miz has been great. Um, I the reason I wasn't excited by this match was nothing to do with the Miz. It was to do with the fact that it was a Miz against Dolph Ziggler again. And I, I've, I've said this before. I know Dolph Ziggler technically is an excellent wrestler. I know Dolph Ziggler backstage is a wonderful human being and everyone likes him and everyone's got time for him. I know he takes wrestling seriously and cares about it, but I've never found him exciting in the ring. Mm. Until last night. You were where... a bit pissed off initially because Miz came in first. Well, yeah, champions should <laughs> never come you, out first. You? I hate it. <laughs> champions don't come out first in entrances. Champions, you're the champion. Mm. No boxing champion comes out first. No. Ever. No, no matter where it is, no matter whose hometown it's in. The champion always comes... It's my biggest pet peeve in wrestling. The champion always comes out last. Mm-hmm. Always. <laughs> the only way, the only time it's it, it's forgivable is if it's an open challenge. Yeah. So the champion then has to come out first because he has to call out his opponent. That's yeah. the only time it's forgivable. But I I never cared that much about Ziggler. I've, I couldn't tell you my favourite Dov Ziggler match, really, until now. Not only was that match last night my favourite Dolph Ziggler match and my favourite Miz match it is my favourite it's my favourite Intercontinental title match for oh, years God. yeah absolutely like <clears throat> it's not it's not quite um, Bulldog Bret Hart from SummerSlam 92 well nothing ever will be nothing, really, nothing will be but it's not that far off you know it's it was so high octane it was high octane it was everything I wanted from an intercontinental championship match it was just like one thing after the other the Miz was particularly vitriolic it was just like I was I was just invested the whole way through I think it was probably the only match where because we'd been kind of chatterboxing a little bit through things because obviously you do when you're watching wrestling with your friends but I think it was one of the only matches where we were both like we've got but I think like there's nothing that we could say that would be more entertaining than this match right now. Something that that uh, Glenn Joseph pointed out on Twitter was the whole boot being removed thing was actually a homage to Eddie Guerrero yeah. on what would have been Eddie's 49th birthday. Uh, there's 
and it was the fact that all the stuff the Miz had done to cheat before, he tried to do it again, and none of it worked. You know, they had the Spirit Squad come out, which, like, because I've not been watching SmackDown religiously, so I was like, the fuck are they doing it? (laughs) Um, um, So the Spirit Squad were there, and Maurice interfered, and everything, and there were so many really meaningful near falls in Mm. that match. And the wrestling itself was really good. The psychology was excellent. The whole thing was great. My only, if I had to give it the slightest the slightest bit of criticism that would be that the finish came a little bit the, the finish came you know when the, when the referee threw everybody out yeah, everyone so was still looking everyone's still looking at those people i'd give them time for them to be completely away and then maybe have the miz cheat again mm. before dolph gets the win that would have been the only thing i would have done to change that match the, the beautiful thing I think about the Miz in this match was that he's so all talk, and I think that people have got him to the point now where it's like he's all talk, but can he really put his money where his mouth is? And he absolutely did. He was so punishing, and both of them were like it, they were striving to win this belt, and I just it was just brilliant. Like that, I just love that. I want every championship match to feel like that. It was it was just great. It was, yeah, it was. excellent, absolutely brilliant, and. It also had the second uh, gum spit uh, super <laughs> kick tooth. spot, fake tooth spot of the night. Um, first one being in the first match. No, no jeans. No jeans. There was a really good build to it as well. Like the, the the hype video that they showed before it really illustrated what they were trying to do. And there was a big part. Where it was like, well, maybe this is Dolph's last match. Maybe mm. is Dolph's going to go and do acting or something mm. else. I it, I actually didn't know who was going to win it. I was like, maybe Dolph's leaving, maybe the Dolph's going to lose and then come back under a mask and make it more interesting or something. But everything, he's come out of that match. The Miz has come out of it still looking like the Miz. Doesn't hurt the Miz at all. Doesn't hurt the Miz in the slightest. Dolph's come out of it going from a wrestler that people were fairly indifferent towards to people now going, oh, he's brilliant, isn't he? Yeah, he's just had, He's just had a near five-star match on a show that most people probably weren't that fussed about. It was great. No, it was absolutely brilliant. And if you haven't seen it, go onto the WWE Network and, and watch it as soon as possible. If you watch nothing else on this show, that's the. If you only watch one match on this show, it's that's the one. It is brilliant. It's, it's one of the best twenty minutes you'll you'll spend watching WWE wrestling this year. It's and great. I honestly don't think that the WWE realised it was going to go over so well because they kept putting that Daniel Bryan thing in where the Miz is saying horrible things about Daniel Bryan, and that that's almost because everyone loves Daniel Bryan so much mm. that that's an extra reason to hate the Miz. But we didn't even need that. But it works in its favour because sometimes the best matches come out of like I, I've mentioned this so many times. That my favourite match, twenty thirteen, uh, Tom Hiroshi, Katsuyori Shibata. G1, 12-minute match where they just kick the shit out of each other. Mm. It's a G1 group stage match. Mm. It meant nothing in terms of who won the G1 that year. Not a thing. It's just two blokes who train together who kick the shit out of each other. It meant, And no one was expecting it to be that mm. good. And that's why it's that good. Mm. Sometimes that can be what surprises you, is, yeah. is the, the match that you're not expecting. Like The match that most people remember WrestleMania 3 for is not Hulk and Andre the Giant. Yeah. It's Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat. Yeah. So sometimes knowing you're in that position, and obviously these are two guys who are motivated to try and prove a point, and they have now. Be interesting to see where it goes from there. That's where the questions come in. Um. So, um, uh, I, I don't know if I, this has just been my autocorrect, but I've got Darling Crowley written down in my on my iPad, which may just be autocorrect. So whoever asked this, your surname is definitely Crowley. Um, um, do we see the plan for the Internet title as? Dolph Ziggler going forwards. Do we see him holding it 
I mean, because what could happen is he could lose it tomorrow on SmackDown. Back it wouldn't surprise me enough. I'd rather they didn't do that. Mm. I'd rather they gave some credence to it. Um, but, I mean, I can see him holding it for a bit. I think that they seem to be falling into the, the path now of people hold a title for three or four months. Mm. So I think that's the case. Um, and it, which leads on to a question from Dan Hitchcock. Um, it's a two-part question. Um, I'll do the second part of it first, which is who's next for Dolph Ziggler. So you have to pick someone on SmackDown who's up next for him. Who are you, who are you going with? I don't know because I, th- I feel like it's been such again I've, and I felt like this for a lot of the bouts and I think I said it the last time I was on is that it's almost like the title hasn't felt super important until now mm. so like this match for me it brought back everything that the Intercontinental Championship well, that's should be what Dan's first part of his question is is yeah. has this angle returned the prestige to the Intercontinental yes. title yes mate it has yeah. yeah definitely and and I think that means the his opponent's got to be someone decent. The problem is, is who are the heels on SmackDown that he could go up against? Because Baron Corbin's a heel, but he's wrestled Baron Corbin a lot already, yeah. and it's a it's a mismatch of styles that doesn't work that well. Yeah. Bray Wyatt is a possibility, but do we expect Bray Wyatt to go further up the card? Yeah, I think he's going to go further up. To be honest, Dean Ambrose is heelish, but he's already but they've had a feud over the world title. Mm. That what wasn't particularly great, so it, it's a tricky one. It's funny because now when you look through the roster, you almost look at it and you go, "There's hardly anybody there." It feels like there's hardly anybody there. Like I said to you, where, where's Kane at the moment? I don't know what's going on. You know, Kane is still kind of part of the roster at, still. Yeah, could Kane um, come for? I I, I don't know. It's a tricky one. I mean, I I personally, from a, a wrestling fan point of view, I'd like to see. Um, I mean, well, this is a possibility. So, think about it this way. Dolph winning the Intercontinental title, the reaction he got has pushed Dolph higher up the babyface pecking order than he was previously. Mm-hmm. What's to stop him as Intercontinental champion challenging for the world title? Well, nothing, really. Like, is there not? Is there not? Because his whole, his whole storyline has been him not being able to get a win and feeling a bit sad about himself. Does this not now give him some momentum to maybe go after AJ? Because don't forget, we've got a bigger gap between now and Survivor Series. Yeah. Does it not give him a bit of momentum to go after AJ Styles' world title? Mm, maybe. That I mean, that's a possibility. So. It is just because the the roster's not the, the roster's not heaving with people up there at the moment. No, is it? I mean, I'd like to see personally. I'd like to see him and Jack Swagger have a, a few, just because I really like Jack Swagger. Yeah. And it's a shame that Alberto Del Rio is not. A part yeah. of WWE yes, anymore yes, because yes. Del Rio and Ziggler would have been good. Yes, yes, yes. Um, <clears throat> then we um, then someone applied a Snapchat filter to a mirror um, as <laughs> as Randy Orton looked into it. Um, Broken my hardy. Eh? Um, Dave Green has asked us, "What's our favourite wrestling mirror moment?" Because of course there was the one where Hulk Hogan saw Ultimate Warrior in the mirror. Yeah. Bearing in mind that we're watching this, which means we're hallucinating this as well. <laughs> like that's the bit that no one ever seems to get is we're watching this. So if Randy Orton's hallucinating and Bray Wyatt's inside his so head, then so are we. Then and Bray Wyatt we are lives Bray in Wyatt. us. Yeah. Um, uh, to answer your question, Dave, I can't think of many other mirror moments, but the mirror moment I would suggest is I really wish that when Val Venus was a thing, I, I wish that he'd. Done, uh, replicated the mirror moment from the end of the film Boogie Nights, 
where it's just him looking into a mirror, just trying to coax his penis into working. Did I ever tell you about the time that I licked Val Venus's towel? <laughs> that could have gone really, really difficultly in a weird place. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, just, that, just the towel. It was at a Hope show. Um, it was in... Oh, you're the baby. Pipe down, Claudia. Pipe down. <laughs> um, it was a, a Hope show. I think it was in Derby. It might have been Nottingham, but I think it was Derby. And I only went because Val Venus was on it. And I've been watching a lot of old Attitude Era where Val Venus was on every single show. And he got the towel, obviously. Mm. Hello, ladies. And then he put it in the corner and I went over to lick it. And um, there's a photo of me licking it, but he got loads of holes in. Like it was exactly the same towel that he'd had since the 90s. I don't know why I'm telling you this. But yeah. Yeah, mirrors, man, mirrors. <laughs> Have you ever licked a wrestler's prop? Um, <laughs> hashtag Tuesday Night Joe. The good question today. Hashtag Wrestling Films. That's a good one. Um, um, Simone Stable. Um, see, the Boogie Knights actually named a tag team, the Boogie Woogie Knights in WCW. So um, I can't think of any other wrestling Boogie Man Knights. Boogie. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag Wrestling Films. Uh, hashtag I lick to wrestlers prop, um, all using hashtag choose Nigel. Um, so the, the IC match, just go out of your way to watch. It's great. It, it, when we when I wrap up a review of the year, it's going to feature in the review of the year, as is The Miz quite a lot, because it's just stunning work. Yeah. Brilliant. And for all the people in the past who've chanted, you can't wrestle at The Miz, hang your heads in shame. He's very, very good at what he does. Um, good. Um we, had, we then had um, Alexa Bliss against her mystery opponents because of uh, the injury to Becky Lynch. Mm. Um, Pathetic Becky Lynch champion. Um, uh, the, the challenger was Naomi uh, coming out or coming out to a, a rave music uh, in a luminous stuff. Um, this match was it was all right. It I feel both both competitors require someone a little bit more experienced in the ring to help them because there was a couple of bits in it that after you've watched such a good Intercontinental title match, you're like, that was a glaring error. And it's stuff you wouldn't necessarily notice as readily if you'd not just watched something really brilliant. Um, What I would say is um, Naomi's working really hard at getting her gimmick over. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised Naomi won, but I think it's to create a bit of intrigue because if... Becky Lynch is injured for a bit, then everyone else has got to have something to do. So you yeah. may as well have people scrambling to see who the number one contender is. Um, I think that, because Jim Taylor asked, why do we think Naomi went over? I think that's precisely why. I think it's just, we don't know how long Becky Lynch is out for or indeed what's what's happened. What's so, you know, who knows? I, I think it's it's just a case of keeping their women's division interesting on SmackDown by, because if you just had Alexa win then it's just her spinning her wheels waiting for Becky to come back. Yeah. Whereas if you have someone beat her, then you can actually do a little mini feud with those guys until she is back. Yeah, I think that she should have won for the fact that at the moment, like we said earlier, that the argument of like, she shouldn't be champion, I should be champion, is so weak that if she'd have showed that she is dominant in the ring, then it would have just galvanised that a little bit more. And the fact that it didn't, now it's just a bit like, if when, if and when um, Becky comes back... We've still got that thing with Alexa Bliss. It will be a bit stupid because it's like, well, Alexa Bliss doesn't deserve this shot. Yeah. I don't know. I felt like Alexa should have won it. Um, this is a good question from uh, Darren Allen. Um, has anyone, bar the Miz, 
taken their chance post-brand split more than Alexa. And he's, he's right. Alexa Bliss has gone from being drafted, everyone going, huh? Eh? Mm. To now everyone going, oh, she's actually... Because whether regardless of what you think about her in-ring skill, her personality is very good. Mm. It's like the tantrums that she throws and the fact that she's smaller than everybody else and uses that to her advantage. I think that's personality wise is great mm-hmm. like she has taken her over it's, I think other people who've taken the, their chance on the brand splits I mean obviously AJ Styles because he's Absolutely. he's the champion um, I would uh, I'd also say Heath Slater because he's a tag team champion um, and I'd say someone like Mojo Rawley because he's got more of a he's got more of a role now than he even had on NXT yeah so I think those people have all taken taken the opportunity well uh, right. Finally, um, the main event. And we've got a brilliant final question to close this off as well. Cool. So, the main event was Randy Orton against Bray Wyatt. Um, I had called before the show had even started. What would happen? Mm. Very pleased uh, that the return of uh, the return of Luke Harper, who um, last night looked like a cross between. Uh, uh, owner of Distraction Pieces Network, Scroobius Pip, and lead singer of uh, System of a Down, Serge Tankian. Um, uh, Manages to look like a cross between the two of them. Um, I love Luke Harper. Yeah. I think Luke Harper is a spectacularly good wrestler. I loved him when he was Brody Lee on the Indies. Um, he is tremendous. He's so good. Do you think he's going to break away and start to become something on his own rather than a Bray Wyatt backup man? No, I mean, maybe the plan is to have them win the tag titles. Maybe. I'd, I'd, I think I'd be happy to see him move away. You know, like you see these cult documentaries on Netflix where people are in a cult and then they start to become, become wise to it and start moving away to try and become their own person. I think that would work quite well. Maybe he could go for the continental championship. Or maybe there's an internal power struggle between the two of them. Yeah, because now you've got that he's come along and saved the day and would where would Bray Wyatt be without him? I, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see that. Yeah. I think that would be good. And I think it would add a new level of like sinisterness to um, sinisterness. Bray. Sinisterism. To, uh, <laughs> sinisterism. I um, uh, I mean the match itself was. I, I, the weird thing is, is the ma- the match was a Randy Orton match, and this is not meant as an insult. It's just I like there's things I like in wrestling and there's things I, I enjoy watching. And, and again, Randy Orton's someone a bit like Dolph Ziggler. I know he's popular. I get why he's popular. I get why people like him. I get why people respect him. He's not necessarily my cup of tea. Um, but that match was good. It told the story that it needed to tell. Um, we had no further weird Snapchat filters shenanigans. So it, it was fine. There was... <laughs> nothing even that sinister about it either. No. There was... Um, it was hard for them to follow every, everything else on the show because the show was a tidy little show. It was, you know, it was, it was decent. One th- one spot that really sticks out is they they set the stairs up, the metal stairs outside the ring early on in the match, and they didn't do anything with it, and then came back to it. And Bray took a cent on it, which is is nasty. Yeah. Um, couple of questions about this match. Um, Joe Atherton, hey Joe, told you we mentioned you. Um, do we think Luke Harper will get a push? I'd hope so. I don't think you can come back in a main event of a pay-per-view and not get a bit of a push off the back of it. I'd hope so because I think he's I think he's brilliant, properly brilliant. So I really But can he get all that much of a push in the situation that he's in if he's not breaking away and being more of his own person? 
I'd agree. And I think it's it's weird that he's never really been allowed to talk, has he? No. he he'd occasionally say the odd sentence. Mm. But again, as long as he's with Bray, you're not going to let anyone talk apart from Bray. Oh, no. Because Bray is the, the second coming of Jake the Snake Roberts. He is yeah. the best. Um, and speaking of Bray, Paul Schofield says, what will we do with, with Bray Wyatt? I mean, I think we've discussed this a little bit already, Paul, but I mean, in an ideal world, if there was a babyface champion, he'd be feuding for the title. Definitely. And, and I'd be astonished if he never gets a world title run at some point. Yeah. Um, I mean, the other to. possibilities may be Dolph. Just why, why, it, why put him on last and have him so powerful and have him win for it then to not become a big, you know what I mean? Yeah, I to become you. a big thing. I, I feel like, I feel like, I don't know. I'm hoping that, I'm hoping that he'll get to come to the, go for the main title, the championship soon. Maybe if they do it multi-man way, you can get away with it. Because you can have two, you, if course. there's four people challenging or whatever, you can have... You know, two faces, two two heels. It's it's tricky. It's tricky. I mean, SmackDown this week. We'll obviously see. We'll see how it plays out. Um, um, two last questions that are more general. Um, so from uh, Rob Malian. Um, so Ryan Ward, who's one of the writers, is uh, making a difference to SmackDown. How can WWE develop more writers of his caliber? Well, first of all, um, Rob, um, the writing teams in general. I mean, there's always a head writer on Raw and SmackDown. But the writing teams in general for WWE are huge. I think they're 20 strong for each show, I think. So there's a lot of people working on these shows. I think there's always peaks and troughs of creativity. I I look at this as a wrestling promoter and someone who writes our own storylines with my two mates is sometimes we we look at it and go, that's amazing. And sometimes we look at it and go, that's good. But we want it to be as amazing as that was. And you're always going to have peaks and troughs. Um, I think having the brand split potentially does give writers a chance to stretch their legs a little bit and develop things in a slightly different way, in the same way that having NXT as a product, having the Cruiserweight Classic as a product, gives writers more chance to go, oh, I want to do something a little bit different. Because Raw has to be Raw, and Raw's always Raw's always felt a little bit safer and a little bit sophomoric in its humour. And, you know, I think it's a tricky thing. Developing any writing talent is tricky because people either really take their chance and run with the ball and get brilliant, or they don't. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily always up to the powers that be. It's down to the talent involved, isn't it? And it's the same with wrestlers. You know, you've, you've got to. You can give them all the storylines, but they've got to be able to tell a story in the ring, haven't they? Yeah, That's absolutely. The so I think it's the perfect storm on SmackDown. Of the, you know, they've got talented guys, and they're making the most of it. I think as well. Possibly having the focus of SmackDown only being two hours and having to nail those two hours, you know, maybe that focuses the mind a little bit more when you're on the writing team. Maybe. Mm. Um, good question, though, Rob. Um, finally, final question. Bearing in mind what happened last night in the, in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Phil Tutty. Which participant from this pay-per-view would make the best president? Um, so, we the people... Yeah, that would probably go over quite well. We've already got yeah. the colourings going on, the red, white, and blue. Yeah, that'd go. Um, that'd go down really well. I think Bray Wyatt would be yeah. great because he's insane, <laughs> um, and possibly, possibly no less insane than Donald Trump is. Well, I'm not. Sh- yeah, I was about to say this a very similar thing for the Miz, as in he's evil, and so are both of the current presidential election <laughs> candidates. Um, but at least I think that 
at least Miss shows that he's got some love for his wife, which you can't say the same for um, Donald Trump, who is the most awful person in the world. His wife just stands next to him looking like a puppet. Awful. Awful. Um, why, are we end, why are we ending this on the note where I just I just what, feel upset now? What we basically <laughs> need is, um, um, I mean, I mean, the correct answer for this, Phil, is whoever the Illuminati choose. Um, <laughs> Vince McMahon. <laughs> Sweet dreams, everybody. Um, um, but yeah, so um, but thank you, thank you for all your questions. What today. do you think? Send us a tweet. Let yeah. us know. Um, and Photoshop things. We just like things being photoshopped. Um, don't forget your wrestling films. They are oh, yeah. very important. Have you got any to um, go? Let's have a little thing. Um, Hang on, I'm gonna hang on. I'm gonna look at my shelf. Are you going? So I need inspiration. Jim's just left to go and have a look at his shelf. <gasps> Straight out of Cliff Compton. <laughs> <laughs> Addy Star Wars. Oh, nice. Um, hang on. Um, uh, <laughs> I've got to keep come back. back to come back. A train spotting. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. Um, <laughs> I wish I'd done this before. Um, I'm going to do one more. Go on, get us. Uh, oh, hang on. Oh, no, I haven't got, I haven't got loads more. Are you, are you feeling, have no. we run dry, has the well run dry? Oh, the well has run dry of decent. Oh, the lost nasty boys. Good, boom, we'll end on that. Um, right. Hashtag, uh, hashtag wrestler films, hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw, at Jim Smallman on Twitter is me. Uh, Bozzers, uh, you are at Bozzers. Yes, you? I'm is at Bozzers. Uh, and obviously, Bozzers is one of them, they're journalists, mm-hmm. and she's freelance, and she's dead good. So, you know, if you want to do some writing and that for you. Yeah, I've always, book me. <laughs> it's fine, I'll write for you. I'm writing, I'm working on a piece at the moment for um, Fighting Spirit magazine. It's about the Divas Revolution and marketing. Um, so look out for that. Follow me on Twitter, at Bozzers, and I'll keep you updated. Oh, and also we've got that Progress documentary article as well. So I'll share that with you when it's up on the Huffington Post. Excellent. Thank you. Um, me, at Jim Smallman, uh, jimsmallman.com slash TNJ for all the links to this here podcast if you want to recommend it to people. jimsmallman.com slash mygirls if you want to download my uh, my Edinburgh show from last year for $5. Um, and progresslesson.com, demand-progress.com for all your progress-related stuff. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with something i don't know wherever my travels take me um and uh yeah cheers for listening see you later bye ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.